0: Welcome to Clean Matters, a podcast brought to you by Perfect Clean. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining us for a brand new episode here. As today, we're discussing healthcare-associated infections. We're also going to dive in and do a deep dive on biofilm, which is the infection threat that you've probably never heard of, but you definitely should. And so joining me today are two experts here on the topic. First, we have George Clark, the CEO of UMF Corporation. George, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Oh, Good to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. And we're also joined today by Mark Hodgson. He's the Senior Vice President at Medentech. Mark, thanks so much for being here.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me.
0: Very good stuff. Well, guys, it's a thrill to have both of you here on the podcast today to get to dive in on such an important topic. Now, George, I want to start off with you. Obviously, a lot of things have changed from pre-COVID to post-COVID. But from your perspective, uh, tell us a little bit about the difference between the world of infection prevention pre-COVID versus now. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Uh, Pre-COVID,
2: hospitals and nursing homes you know, were primarily concerned with preventing healthcare-associated infections, or HAIs, uh, caused by Clostridium difficile, commonly called to C. diff, and Methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, or MRSA. Uh, at the time, Candida auris, a type of yeast that causes severe infections and does not respond to commonly used antifungal drugs was also making a lot of headlines uh, pretty well worldwide. Uh, one relatively new topic at the time uh pre-COVID you know, was amongst the healthcare infection preventionists uh, was that of biofilm. So pre-COVID clean hotel rooms were top of mind for hotel guests in selecting and being loyal to a hotel brand. Uh, Cruise lines were primarily concerned with preventing an outbreak of norovirus. Uh, Nursery schools and K 12 schools were concerned with the flu and spreading the common cold. And high schools, some high schools Uh, commonly uh, referred to the problems with MRSA in the gymnasium and locker rooms. Now living with COVID, uh, the world has undergone a crash course in infection prevention. Masks, gowns, disinfectants, and many other common cleaning products were in short supply or completely exhausted. Unfortunately, you know, 38,000-plus hotels shut their doors. Uh, The U.S. government issued a no-sale order for the cruise line industry. And for everyone else, Zoom was the new norm. Uh, There is a myopic focus on COVID across all industries. We've been preoccupied with preventing COVID infections for over a year now. And besides wearing masks and the emphasis on washing hands, which is not new to healthcare. One notable, notable transformation is the importance placed on disinfecting everything people touch. In some industries, especially hospitality, cleaning has become a theatrical performance you know, for all to see.
0: So George, I want to follow up on this one. Why does environmental hygiene matter in your opinion?
2: Yeah, I think the best example of the critical importance of environmental hygiene is the pre- and post-COVID issue with preventable hospital-associated infections. Uh, We refer to them as PHIs. We also like to refer to it as the silent epidemic. Um, It's worth noting the the flu season which now happens every year, is considered an epidemic. And the flu causes an average of 23,600 deaths each and every year in the US. However, since the 1990s, hospital-associated infections have exceeded 1 million infections with an estimated 100,000 deaths every year. And these are only estimates. This equates to 2,000-plus infections resulting in 280 deaths every day. And this has been going on now for decades. COVID-19 is now the number one preventable hospital associated infection worldwide. Preventable hospital associated infections like COVID-19 has a devastating effect on the physical, emotional, and financial health of patients and the hospital itself. Reports estimate that a preventable hospital-associated infection requires 16 to 19 extra days in the hospital, costing approximately 191,000 to treat each infection. The financial burden annually in the US is estimated at 140 plus billion dollars. You know, that that's something uh,
1: that really needs to be addressed. Well, yeah, George mentioned that so many of those hospital-acquired infections are transmitted from surfaces. Um, all those staggering numbers that, that we put out there in terms of, you know, millions of infections a year, hundreds of thousands of deaths a year, all are preventable. Um, <clears throat> typically, what happens is an infected individual is found in an occupied space in a hospital and we use all kinds of polite phrases such as the patient sheds bacteria but that basically means that anything that comes out of or off of a patient's body essentially spreads the pathogen that they are infected with into that into the environment that pathogen eventually will settle onto surfaces and may survive on those surfaces for really long times. And depending on the pathogen, depending on the conditions, that survival time could be measured in years. Certainly, it is measured in months rather than hours or days. Now, what happens is that pathogen sits on the surface uh, up until somebody comes along and puts their hand on the surface. At that point, you put your hand on the surface, the pathogen transfers from the surface to your hand. And from your hand, it can easily be transmitted at least 20 more times with whatever you touch next. And if whatever you touch next happens to be the patient, you will transfer that pathogen to the next patient and potentially infect them. Obviously, There's a lot of emphasis on hand hygiene. Frequent sanitizing of hands, changing gloves, all in an effort to reduce the rate of transmission. However, you simply cannot do enough hand hygiene to prevent transmission if you have contaminated surfaces in a room. You must decontaminate surfaces. You must eliminate those pathogens from surfaces if you're going to break the the chain of transmission, and, and the resultant hospital-acquired infections.
0: Now, you guys have obviously done a great job kind of laying out the problem of healthcare-associated infections. How can hospitals best handle them?
2: Well, we really need to do everything they possibly can. Uh, we we're convinced that what's required is really an enterprise-wide, multimodal intervention initiative. Uh, every department within the hospital must be engaged. It's no longer about just cleaning the environment. It's now all about processing the different patient spaces to ensure patient, patient safety. Uh, the environmental services department, you know, typically they're shorthanded, uh, and that's one department that really needs to be adequately staffed. Uh, Clinically acceptable processes, including high-performance color-coded products, a one-per-room methodology to mitigate the risk of room-to-room cross-contamination, should be implemented and adhered to. Uh, It's all about remove and eliminate from each patient environment an EPA registered broad spectrum disinfectant proven effective against all causes of preventable infections you know it really must be deployed
1: certainly i mean it's it's vital as george mentioned that we have a program and a program isn't just a disinfectant a program is how that disinfectant is applied where and how often and by whom um, so we need an integrated program It is vital, for instance, that your disinfectant works with your mode of application. The cloth, the wiper that you are using to apply that disinfectant has to be compatible with the disinfectant. You can't just pick any old disinfectant and any old wipe and put them together and expect them to work. You should have a comprehensive program. That program should include things like, have you adequately trained your staff in how to use all of these disinfectants and wipers. The program will not work if all the components do not work together. The other thing is, as George mentioned, you need a broad spectrum disinfectant. Broad spectrum means kills everything. There are an awful lot of disinfectants on the market that have gaps, things that they simply do not kill gaps such as they do not kill c diff they do not kill tb they do not kill norovirus if you do not kill those microorganisms you leave them in the environment and you put your patients at risk for transfer of the pathogen from the environment to the patient to the next patient it is important to remember that it's not just the product and the process it's also the people. Those individuals who are employed to do cleaning and disinfection may not be the best paid, but they have some of the most important jobs in terms of preventing infection. You have to give them adequate time to perform their tasks. We still like to put pressure, we like to reduce headcount, and we like to put pressure on people to do this a little faster. Sometimes that may look good on a spreadsheet. But the reality is you've got to look at the negative impact. So making sure that your wipe and your chemistry are compatible. Make sure that your chemistry kills all the pathogens of concern. Make sure that your people are adequately trained and make sure that you give them enough time to do a good job.
0: Well, what you laid out there is a really comprehensive and I think a really great playbook for how to handle healthcare-associated infections. Now, there's another microorganism that the healthcare community should uh, probably be thinking about, and that's biofilms. Mark, start off and just give us an introduction. What are biofilms?
1: Biofilms are a naturally occurring thing. Biofilms are produced by bacteria and some fungi as a protective coating. It's a mixture of proteins, sugars, and DNA material, or genetic material. They're excreted by growing bacteria, and they're excreted to form a layer in which the bacteria will live. Basically, what you would see, if there is enough of it, is a slime layer. Anybody who's been out in the woods, in the forest, and, and looked at a lake or a stream or a damp area we will see slime on rocks. That's biofilm. The plaque on your teeth is biofilm. So biofilm is known to be found in wet environments. It would be known this for a long, long time. What's possibly new or possibly different for people is the prevalence of biofilm on what are normally dry surfaces, typically referred to as dry surface biofilm. And recently, uh, recently meaning within the last 10 years, we've started to have studies published that show dry surface biofilm is on up to 92% of surfaces in hospital rooms. Surfaces that you would not necessarily expect to find it. Surfaces that are typically dry, but they have biofilm and the impact of that biofilm is significant. The biofilm is there to protect microorganisms, particularly bacteria, protects them from dehydration, protects them from ultraviolet light, and also protects them from chemical disinfectants. If you use most disinfectants on bacteria in biofilm, you will not kill those those bacteria. The result of that is that you have not fully disinfected the surface in the, in the patient room or in the hospital room, in the hotel room, on the cruise ship, and the pathogen remains and puts the next occupant of that room at greater risk of infection. The other thing about biofilms is, although they are typically made by bacteria, we'll find a lot of things other than bacteria in a biofilm, including viruses, and more specifically, including coronaviruses. A recently published paper out of the University of Rennes actually showed that coronavirus and the COVID-19 will happily colonize a biofilm and will survive within a biofilm when we apply typically otherwise effective disinfectants so unless we address biofilm we're not addressing our bacterial problems and we're certainly not addressing our viral problems we need a product that is effective against biofilm
0: That's really fascinating. So as a follow-up here, Mark, how are biofilms impacting our daily lives while going to school or visiting a hotel or as a patient in a healthcare facility? You've kind of laid a a little bit about this out, but I'm curious just to dive in a little deeper.
1: Sure. Um, It's hard to uh, stress sufficiently the ubiquitous nature of of biofilm. Biofilm is everywhere. You may not be able to see it. Uh, Sometimes you need a microscope to see it. But it is there, and within that biofilm are all of the infectious organisms, the multi-drug resistant organisms. And if we do not kill them, it doesn't matter if they're in a school, if they're in, you know, if on, are they on the wrestling mats in a school? Uh, are they on the 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 counter in in a hotel? You know, are they in a cruise on a cruise liner? The bacteria don't know, the biofilm doesn't know, but they. Sure as heck, can be transmitted from those locations to whomever comes in next. Now, hopefully, most of the populations in those locations are not as susceptible to infection, but a portion of them will be. A portion of them will be of you know immune compromised status. Will be more elderly, so they are susceptible to infection just the same ways that hospital patients are. If you do not adequately address biofilm, you have not adequately disinfected surfaces. And that's one of the things we will constantly emphasize to people. You, know, um, you may not be able to see it, but it's there. And George talked about the theater of disinfection previously. You know, the sight of somebody just spraying something and wiping is not really adequate. You need to make sure that whatever it is that they're applying is an effective disinfectant.
2: Well, I think I just need to <clears throat> emphasize, uh, you know, as Mark has said, you know, it, it's estimated that 99% of the world's bacteria are living enclosed in biofilm, and they're the leading cause of infections acquired in hospitals. Uh, according to the National Institutes of Health, biofilm is responsible for 65% of all microbial infections and 80% of chronic infections. You know, as one report stated, and I think it says it best, slimy clumps of bacteria are
1: killing thousands of people.
2: Well, certainly,
1: I mean, if we look at schools, just as as a primary example, many schools um, are financed or 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 receive remuneration based on student attendance if a student is absent um you know influenza maybe two to six days uh, and approximately nine million cases at the, the last time we had a decent influenza season was 2018 you know norovirus if we have an outbreak of norovirus people are going to be absent for four to eight days and you know that also results in hospitalizations. That means that if you're running your school, you can look at your absenteeism and then look at the money you will not be receiving for those students. So if we can reduce influenza, just as an example, you know, last year, we significantly reduced influenza because of all of the precautions we were taking against COVID. They happened to work against influenza as well. And in that way, we reduce influenza, we save cost, uh, and and we get all of our reimbursements. uh, And within our, our, our operation, we see how good disinfection saves money.
0: So biofilms feel like a very powerful foe across a lot of different industries, a lot of different markets. Are there any solutions available, George? Yeah, again, I can't stress
2: enough how important adequate education and training is, especially for the environmental services department, the housekeeping staff in a hotel, custodial staff in a school everywhere. Uh, implementing a well-documented process using high performance products that are proven and capable of re- removing and eliminating bacteria bacterial spores viruses and biofilm is critical um, you know for the last decade you know that's basically been our mission to develop high performance products uh, you, know, you know what we've brought to market as the perfect clean brand of products that are capable of removing everything from a surface that can be physically removed and eliminating it from the environment. You know, it's all about processing the patient environment, the guest environment, the school environment. It's not about cleaning anymore. It's all about, you know, basically adequate prevention to provide safe environments.
0: So, I guess a good question here, then, Georgia, is what should I be looking for in my disinfectant product to address biofilm and to address the different things that we've already discussed here on the podcast?
2: Yeah, we're working closely with Medentech uh, for many months now. We've recently introduced a new product, which is now registered with the EPA and, and in all 50 states under the trade name Chlorese. And Chlorese is effective against all micro microbes that are responsible for hospital-associated infections, including biofilm and human coronavirus. Uh, it's a safe and sustainable product. And what I like best about it is the active ingredient, uh, which is hypochlorous acid, or HOCL, is the same chemical that's produced by the human body to fight infection. Um, I, you know, Basically, everyone's looking for green products and sustainable products and safe products. And I just don't think you can beat this, you know, the features and benefits of chlorase.
1: Well, certainly in terms of biofilm, but in terms of all of the other pathogens as well, you need a disinfectant that covers all the bases. So you need a disinfectant that is sporicidal. You need a disinfectant that kills bacteria in biofilm. You need a disinfectant that eliminates Candida auris, that gets rid of norovirus and coronavirus. And if you look at the EPA registration of chlorese, what you'll find is chlorese covers all of those bases. If your disinfectant doesn't have all of those claims, then you're really not using an effective product. And, and the reality is there are too many products on the market that might do maybe three out of four, or in some cases only two out of four. And if you're using one of those, you really need to think long and hard about what you're doing, because what you're doing is unfortunately failing to adequately disinfect your surfaces and therefore leaving your uh, your patients or your customers at risk. And one of the things that I constantly emphasize is that you do not necessarily know what the room occupant is infected with. And the classic example given is with C. diff, 25% of the population carries C. diff without symptoms. So in other words, they will shed into the environment but you probably would not know that they have done that. And unless you're going to take precaution, you will not adequately eliminate that C. Diff from the environment.
2: Yes, correct. The, I think the COVID pandemic has shown that no industry is immune. Uh, You know, the simple cost and cost-effective best practices we've discussed here, the products that are necessary, you know, if these are adhered to, could really lessen the impact of future epidemics, and uh, not to mention hospital-associated infections literally going forward on a daily basis. You know, UMF has leveraged its foundation in health care, infection prevention to expand heavily into hospitality, education, and other markets, advocating for standardization of effective processes. And I'm hopeful that the lessons learned from preventing the spread of COVID-19 will carry over after the pandemic has quietened down. Hospitals and hotels, and in fact, all industries now have not only the insight, but they've all got the experience in preventing infections. And science tells us it's not a matter of if, but when the next pandemic will occur.
0: All right. I'd love to wrap things up here just by getting your your takes on uh, something as we cast our eyes maybe into a crystal ball. What changes do you see occurring in the next three to five years around infection prevention just in general? I'm
2: hopeful that the lessons learned from preventing the spread of COVID-19 will carry over after the pandemic has abated especially in healthcare. Another area of concern is that the death toll from the antibiotic resistant infections is predicted to reach 50 million deaths worldwide at a cost of $100 trillion worldwide by 2050. This would put an enormous burden on healthcare systems. The COVID pandemic has shown that no industry is immune. Hospitals, hotels, and in fact, all industries now have not only the insight, but the experience in preventing infections. Mask wearing is the new norm. Uh, everyone realizes the importance of wearing a masks. Healthcare facilities will continue to protect their patients and the public with the continuous wearing of masks. New technologies will be developed, new masks that will be More readily acceptable, easier to use, and really more consumer friendly. UMF has leveraged its foundation in healthcare, infection prevention to expand into hospitality, education, and other markets, advocating for the standardization and implementation of effective processes. These simple and cost-effective best practices we've discussed here, if adhered to, could well lessen the impact of future epidemics and HAIs. Infection prevention and consumer awareness have become far more important these days. Gone are the days when consumers blindly trust salespeople and marketing claims for products that are critical to infection prevention. Globally, healthcare facilities will most likely require more regulation to ensure that infection prevention practices are adhered to and implemented to ensure patient safety and to reduce hospital-associated infections. Science tells us it's not a matter of if but when the next pandemic will occur. Each and every one of us has a part to play in prevention. We are all accountable for our actions now
1: and in the future. In terms of certainly the environmental aspect of infection prevention, what I like to see is, uh, George refers to training and education. I call it the professionalization. Um, We are seeing increasingly that those people engaged on the ground in infection prevention environmental uh, cleaning and disinfection are becoming increasingly better trained and educated so that they understand what biofilm is they understand the need to eliminate the biofilm they understand the process and the protocol um, and that just becomes second nature and, and at that point I think that the emphasis that we saw maybe for the last 18 months on environmental disinfection will help drive that process and take it to the next level so that everybody is using effective products, effective protocols and effective systems in eliminating all pathogen
0: from the environment. Excellent stuff. George Clark and Mark Hodgson. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here on this episode of the podcast and breaking down just uh, the the challenges of dealing with healthcare-associated infections and also uh, talking a little bit more about biofilms and giving us uh, a lot of info and and a lot to chew on and to think about there in that regard. Guys, thank you again so much. Thank you very
1: much. Thank you, Tyler.
0: Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for joining us here for this episode of the podcast. Make sure to stay tuned for upcoming episodes. Specifically, our next episode is going to dive into hygiene theater. You don't want to miss it. You'll want to stick around and make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or go head to Perfect Clean's website to learn more about them as well. And stay tuned. We'll be back soon with those new episodes of the show. But today, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. We'll talk to you again soon.